bases loaded and intentional walk to Barry Bonds. Two and two with the bases loaded and one out. Oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slam. Hello and welcome in everybody to episode 127 of the bases loaded fantasy baseball podcast i'm your host mike curland you can follow me on twitter at mike underscore curland and tonight i am joined by one of my usual guest hosts of course chris clegg you can follow him on twitter at roto clegg he has so much going on we will get to that i will let him talk up his other stuff including another podcast on this podcast because i'm such a nice guy but more importantly we are joined by and i say more importantly because clegg you're taking a back seat to our guest <laughs> david mendelson He's a physical ed teacher, host of football and baseball shows, and I guess you don't do the basketball show. We'll talk about that, but I know you guys do baseball, basketball, and football over at Triple Play Fantasy. I've been on the podcast a couple of times. We've had a great time, great listen, but there's more. He's an FSWA member. He's a uh, writer over at Fantrax, my former stomping grounds. I think I just covered everything because I, oh yeah, yeah, I did. I covered everything. I'm messing it up. Oh no, you contribute to Fantasy DGens as well. That's Bubba's site, correct? Yeah. You can follow him on tw- Twitter at dmendy02. That's D-M-E-N-D-Y-0-2. Dave, David, Mendy, what's up, buddy? <laughs> Dude, I don't know what you're talking about, man. You're the host with the most with these intros. I that, just that was pretty stumbled. good. I just stumbled over the whole intro, but sure. Thanks, man. From one host to another. Now, have you have you been a guest on another podcast yet? Yes, I've been on, well, mostly football ones. This might be my first baseball. No, no, no. It's like, no, I was on the five tool one one time. Oh, 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 uh, that's a fan tracks one. Yeah, of course you were. <laughs> um, I was going to ask because as a host, is it weird to be a guest or is it kind of like almost a little that that little bit of like responsibilities off your shoulders you get to kind of just feed off everyone else's energy you don't have to really force anything you just kind of roll with it right i mean i was gonna say i'm gonna put my feet up and just let you just run the show i i just it's nice not to have to like run through my like hosting script and and keep things in order like i can uh just sit back and relax so it's actually pretty cool the funny thing is is people think this show is well scripted out nine times out of ten it is not i'll be completely honest <laughs> i'm really good at just firing it like off the top of my head or going with conversations Sometimes you can tell, but a lot of times you cannot, and I've heard good things. So, I mean, maybe I'm just biased. But, Clegg, getting back to you, buddy, it's been a while since we talked. You've been so busy. But please, man, fill us in. What do you have going on? Man, a lot, actually, man. I'm glad I to know. be back and, and chatting with you guys. It's always good to, to get on and hang out and talk a little baseball. And, well, having a baby, so that's kind of new. and That'll be a nice life change, our first kid. So that'll be definitely interesting coming late April, so still got a little while. We can still grind on the fantasy baseball side, um, but also launched a new pod with Eric Cross over at Fantrax, the prospect only pod. So it's called the Fantrax Prospect Toolshed. So three episodes in there, having a great time and just grinding on written work as well, man. But it's been good. That's great to hear, man. I'm 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 always happy to see people that from my podcast as well as others just branching out having fun and embracing the community because it's a great community forever growing we get great guys like mr d mendy who is the true host with the most over here with us tonight. <laughs> and what we're going to talk about tonight we have a few news and notes nothing crazy but a few interesting ones we'll talk about some fantasy a fallout from them as well and then we're going to get into some 2021 outlooks and we're going to do a couple of these podcasts probably because you know right tonight we have five names we're, we're actually here's a quick plug for chris's article i should have a good host see this is where the host with the most failed because a good host <laughs> would have had his article ready but it's over at fan tracks and you can find it 
again at fan tracks. I'm looking on his Twitter right now. I should again should have been ready for this one. I probably could have just asked you what it's called, but it is fantasy baseball hitters with great last 162 game samples. So we're going to talk about those samples. The five names we're going to discuss tonight are George Springer, uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Tascar Hernandez, uh, Trey Turner, and Starling Marte. But before we get there, let's get with the news and notes. George Springer, DJ Mayhew, and JT Realmuto rejected their qualifying offers. I I was just on your show. Uh, I, I, David Mendy, I, I, whatever. I'm going to call you D Mendy. I'm going to call you by your Twitter handle. <laughs> I'm just on your show, man. And we talked about some of these options, and those three denying their option, rejecting their qualifying offer, doesn't surprise you, does it? No, not at all. And one thing I actually make sure I noted that the Astros and Phillies are going to get compensatory picks when they do <laughs> sign somewhere. So, uh, but no, I mean, they have big markets. So I, I figured they're going to kind of let a bidding war take place. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Clegg, what are your thoughts on those three? Do you see any of them staying put? Do you, like, I don't know what to think Pro- right now. Probably LeMahieu, if, if any, I think, stays in New York. I don't know. I, I'm kind of mixed on JT, where he'll end up. I don't think Springer's staying with the Astros, but this is my opinion. It'll be interesting. The market's been weird, so it'll be interesting to see how all these free agent signings unfold. It's definitely going to be weird. I wonder how much 2022, because the possible holdout for that whole CBA deal, how that's going to affect. Are players going to be willing to take the guaranteed money quicker, or are they going to wait and hope to get the multi-year deals and not settle for one-year deals now? And it's, it's a weird, weird market. You're right. I don't know what to expect. But I do know that we had two people actually opt in. One I was wrong about on your, again, referencing your show. But Kevin Gaussman, or Gaussman, I don't even know how to say his name, and Marcus Stroman both accepted their one year was $18.9 million uh, qualifying offer. So that means Stroman's staying with the Mets, Gossman with the Giants. Clegg, any thoughts here with either one of those guys? A little more surprised with Stroman, I think, just because of stuff he kind of put out there. It seemed like he was leaving. But I'm not surprised from the standpoint, like, I don't think either guy was getting more money, at least like from a, a yearly, like an average yearly standpoint. So I'm not surprised in that sense. I don't I don't think that either of them would have got average deals at 18 plus mil a year. So I think it's I mean, I can see him go well for both. I think especially Gosman staying in San Francisco is a, a good play for him. Stroman, it'll be interesting. I mean, we hadn't seen him a whole lot with the Mets, so we'll we'll see how it plays over a full season. What about you, uh, D Mendy? I feel like you're going to call me a different name each I time. Was, you come I was, back. I'm, I'm, I'm considering it. Dmendio too. What, what, what's it to you? See what I did there? Yeah. Oh, that, that was that was pretty nice. I'll give you that one. Um, yeah. So Stroman, I, I mean, he had a good year in 2019, going back, you know, before he got hurt. Three two two ERA, 62% ground ball rate, and um, I, I think it's kind of interesting the power of Twitter now because you knew he wasn't going to the White Sox before he announced he was taking the offer when he said he was he wouldn't play for uh, a manager like that. For Tony Larusa, but uh, I think it's a good deal for him because he can basically do a one-year deal, boost up his stock again, and then take a bigger deal after. So I like the gamble on himself. Kevin Gosman, I was a little shocked at first. Um, he's coming off the best year, uh, no doubt, of his career. Thirty-two and a half percent CSW. I mean, the guy was just swinging and missing a ton with his split finger, and. Um, I thought that maybe he would try to parlay that into a, a bigger contract, but it makes sense because he's getting 18.9 mil. You're not guaranteed to be making that on a year-to-year salary somewhere else. There's always these weird opt-out clauses. So um, good for him for getting that money, and hopefully he can parlay that into a multi-year deal next year. And 
I can't remember the name. Is it? I'm trying to remember the. I don't think it's Driveline, but I believe Strowman's actually working with one of those camps of this offseason. Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think it's Driveline, and if it is Driveline, it's even better. But I think it's one of those. I know it's one of those camps, so maybe that'll help him even gain some velocity and have some added effectiveness in terms of like what he could offer, bring to the table. So he's actually a little more interesting of a fantasy option. But Gossman, he's proven reliable. You know, the last two years, he's definitely increased his strikeouts. He's looked a lot better. He has the uh, splitter. I don't, I mean, playing for the Giants, it's going to limit your win potential. But in terms of his value, I mean, at least you know where he's staying. Maybe uh, Sam Fran returns more to a uh, pitcher's park, being that it looks like that. Because I remember it being a hitter's park because they were opening some parts of the park that usually aren't open because of fans and all that. And maybe fans return to the park and that changes. So we have to watch that. But regardless, you got like, I think I like this move for both of them. And I, I'm really interested to see what happens with Strowman. Does anybody have any comments on Gosman though or kind of again he is what he is at this point just yeah I think so I mean we probably saw the best that we're gonna see from him I mean we saw a lot of years of mediocrity it's interesting I mean thinking back to him taking the deal I heard he had several multi-year deals on the table so I guess guess he's willing to bet on himself and guess he can do it again I mean if you replicate that over a full season, then I think the odds of getting a even better deal is is right there. So, I'm 100 with you. Moving on from the, I mean, the Mets obviously they get Stroman, and apparently not only did they get Stroman, I think they probably land one of George Springer or GT Romuto possibly, but they're also apparently in along with the Yankees, the Phillies, the Blue Jays, and the Cardinals, which I don't buy the Cardinals for one bit. But they, these those teams are said to be viewed as the strongest candidates to land Francisco Lindor. If you had one guess right now, where's your money at, Clegg? Sadly, the Mets, and I hate to say that as a Braves fan. I really do, but I did, I, they're going to go all in, man. Cohen is just doing some big things, and we'll see if the reality backs up the talk. So if he can, let's see if he can walk the walk, go with it. But I think that, like you said, they're going to make some big moves, and I think he fits that system well. We'll see. I mean, it looks like he may go to the NL East. Phillies are also contender. Either way, I wouldn't like it, but I think the Mets are the, the likely destination. Mr. Mendelssohn, what say you? <laughs> well, that's all what my students call me. Uh, <laughs> so I'm banking, and I, I'm going to put this bold statement out there. I think he 100% is going to the Toronto Blue Jays. And at first I was thinking, like, okay, they have to give up a lot to get him, but I'm kind of looking at that Manny Machado uh, deal when the Orioles gave Manny Machado to the uh, Dodgers. And pretty much it was a one-year rental because you know he was going to be able to sign somewhere else the following year. So I don't feel like they'll have to give up a ton to get him. I think it'll be just something in my gut says that they'll move Bichette over to third. And then you'd have a lineup with Rowdy Telez, Kevin Biggio, Bo Bichette, Francisco Lindor, Tiasker Hernandez, Randall Grichik, and um, Lourdes Gurriel. I mean, that that's stacked. I, I just... I, like I had a dream last night, and he was a Toronto Blue Jay. So that's where I'm going. I would love to see it. Unfortunately, I hate to say this. I think he ends up a Yankee, and uh, and that's simply because the 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 I'm thinking like other teams. The Yankees are known to never really like care for their prospects. They usually either don't have much as a, in terms of a system, or they w- are willing to trade them away, and they usually buy their championships, so to speak. 
well, why not trade? Because they actually have some like some solid names in their system. They're just not the flashy Wander Francos of the world. And I'm sure you can attest to this, Clegg, because you're the prospect guy. But they have some solid parts, especially, and they have more than enough to be able to get what would be a one-year rental. And I say rental because you know whoever gets them is probably going to try to sign them. But not only do they have the prospects to make it happen, they have the money to keep them. So I know I think it's between the, I think it's between the Yankees and the Mets more than uh, between if anything I I love the Blue Jays idea I just I've yet we've yet to see them come off their their money to, you know they haven't gone after pitching they need pitching probably more than they need hitting obviously at this point so when if I see them start spending maybe then I'll buy into that a little more because again whoever trades for them it makes no sense not to pay the guy I think the two best teams set up for that are the Mets and the Yankees. And the Yankees, that could be their way of letting DJ LeMahieu go because then they can move Glaber over to second, and they look like a fool for arguing Glaber won't play second this year. So if if my luck, if my hold, if my luck holds true to anything, that could be what happens. And that, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> I hate this. I hate to say that, man, because no one wants to see the Yankees succeed except for Yankees fans. We all right. hate them because they're great. <laughs> that's it. And I'm a Marlins fan, so please, I'm already dreading. Like I felt, and you could probably appreciate that too a little bit. Oh no, the Braves never really had bad ownership, but you see the Braves not spending money, and they're right there. They're on the brink. We saw them make the playoffs this year. They're pushing, and they're right there, but they just don't want to spend. The Marlins right. had terrible ownership forever. They never want to spend. As soon as they win something, they sell off the pieces. One time we buy in, we sold them off midseason anyway with Reyes and um, I forgot the other guys. It doesn't even matter. Hot, uh, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> My point is, though, I saw the Mets. You know, they have terrible ownership. They have terrible GM. It was terrible. I felt bad for them. And so when I saw them kind of just get a brand new owner willing to spend, they replace, they're replacing everything, the whole front office. I honestly felt great, good for them. I understood how it felt to get from under that. But it sucks to see it in my division. Chris, I'm sure you feel the same way. 100%, man. The, the Braves are so close. and they're so owned, far. Right. They're owned by not an individual, but Liberty Media Corporation. So – they are just so stingy and it ticks me off. I wish they'd sell to an individual that was a quibillionaire like the Mets got, but you know, here we are. But I want to go back to your point. I don't think Lindor is going to cost as much like prospect capital as most people think because he's a rental. Like, yeah, there'll probably be like one big name in there, but it's going to be smaller pieces after that. It's not going to cost a fortune, which the Yankees can obviously get that done. So I'm kind of expecting that. So it wouldn't surprise me, honestly, to see him a Yankee. Like Esteban, Esteban Florio could be like the big piece in that return. Right. And he's kind of like not where he was in terms of a prospect, but he's still a big enough name, I think, and a good enough prospect to probably be the, maybe not the headline, but if they give them a couple of those types of guys, because they have uh, stuck, there's like a guy with a, a prairie or something like that. There's another guy with a P and a few other guys. Like, yeah. like that, that's not very specific, but there's a I couple see other. The- the Indians going after a pitcher. I mean, you know what they do with pitchers like a Davey Clark Garcia, Clark oh, yeah. Schmitt or Davey Garcia would be. I mean, they would turn them into aces. And again, the Yankees also need pitching. But if they get Lindor and they can afford him, you know, for what he gets, he's getting this year, spend the money on pitching this year to back up Cole. And I guess like, Taka's a free agent, isn't he? Yeah. Yes. Maybe they go out and Paxton's a free agent too, so they might go after pitching too. But they have the money for that; they can save on Lindor and then pay Lindor next year, type of thing. It'll be, and they have the bullpen. So I mean, the Yankees. I hate it, man, but they have it. Before Trust we move me. on, though, can you guys can you guys tell me what it's like to win a playoff game? Because you were talking about the Braves and the Marlins, and as a Twins fan, I don't know <laughs> that what that feeling is like. So just share uh, with me. Well, it's bittersweet for me personally because this was our first time making the playoffs and not winning a championship as a Marlins fan because we were undefeated in the playoffs up until this year when they let, up, let in half the teams. But we won a series against the Cubs, which was awesome. Yeah. But – 
honestly, I've never had a chance to enjoy it because, first off, I was younger. Secondly, every time we won something, my favorite players, Gary Sheffield, Bobby Bonilla, like they were all shipped out, man, every time. So, and then the second time around, Miguel Cabrera and you know, all gone, Josh Beckett, bye. So it's like you enjoy it, but then it's like it's a whole new team every year. So a little bit of bittersweetness there, but I'm sure Clegg, the Braves are always like a solid core of just players when they win. And this is the first year they've won a playoff series since 2003, sure. though. <laughs> you, you think about how good they've been and how little they've actually won. And then you go back to the 90s, like I was too young to remember the World Series, obviously, but. They were so good year in and year out and only won one time. So it's frustrating, but <laughs> it was nice to see a, a two series victories this time. And God can't believe they blew three, one lead, but another, another talk, another day, man, they pulled, they did their best Falcons impression on that one, man. The same, Atlanta same sport, city. Yeah. Atlanta sports are cursed. <laughs> well, Hey, you know what? When you finally win one, then, It'll feel like the you know the Red Sox. Hopefully, it doesn't take as long for you guys. But right. uh, you guys have such a good, solid young core, and the pitching's there too. And if Ian Anderson's half of what we what he showed he could be, and Soroka comes back healthy, you guys just have to bolster up that bullpen. Maybe add another starter, and you'll be right back in it. But pitching, it's pitching is a mess as a whole. But speaking of injuries, we have a guy that technically this wasn't an injury; it was just a crazy, out of nowhere piece of news last year. And Trey Mancini, you know, had well, I believe it was colon cancer. Been treated. Apparently, he's cancer free, and he's made a full recovery. He actually been quoted as failing himself, or so totally like myself is how he is what it was quoted. And Trey Mancini, if he comes back, does he suddenly jump into like a top fifteen, top twenty first baseman? Is he a top two hundred pick? Like, how do you do? You have to wait and see what you see in spring training. Like, how do you go about ranking somebody like him, um, Mr. David Sir? I, I can't think of a good one this time. So right now in the two early mocks, he's actually the 21st first baseman right now. So I could easily see him sneaking in the top 20 before draft season, especially if you see him in spring training, if he looks somewhat like he's holding up. Uh, you know, the guys around him, Hunter Dozier, Carlos Santana, Renato Nunez, Christian Walker. So I, I could see him jumping closer to that, you know, 15, 16 range. Um, with a strong, uh, strong spring training. That's a tongue twister, but, um, yeah, I think, I feel like he knows himself. Um, and, and he's a really seems like a smart player. And I, I living, you know, a mile from Camden yards. Uh, he's a, a little folk hero at the bars down here. So, um, but he, I think he's going to definitely sneak in closer to the top 15 first baseman that you're used to seeing from him. And, and now if, if, if you're looking at the top, again, we're looking at the too early mock ADP, which is kind of the only ADP we have. Although drafts should be rolling in here shortly from NFBC, so we'll start getting some of that ADP to talk about. But until then, this is what we have. And for anybody who wants to go follow it, it's you can find it at smada underscore BB, and he has it tagged was up into his uh, profile, and you can just click it and search through their ADP. And that's what I did, and I'm looking at some names in that 14-15 range, and I think it fits because I have a hard time taking Josh Bell over him. We hope Josh Bell is Trey Mancini, but we hope we hope Trey Mancini is Trey Mancini. Which one would you rather have entering 2020, Clegg? 2021. Whoops. 2020 was so short, I'm just adding it on. <laughs> uh, probably Bell, just because of the unknowns, the uncertainties. Even though Bell was absolutely garbage, I'm kind of hoping that the Pirates non-tender him and then he gets picked up by a, a team with an incentive to play, like play and win. So maybe if he gets on a good team... With some drive, he can pick it back up. Colorado, can you imagine, dude? They they need a first baseman. That would That's be, oh yeah. <laughs> I feel that, like 
I feel like they always do this though. It's like like last year or two years ago, it was Daniel Murphy. Oh, Daniel Murphy's gonna be great in Colorado. Right. He hasn't panned out. <laughs> so it's like Josh Bell. Uh, might maybe I mean maybe though because I think a lot of Josh Bell's problem is he kind of is the offense at times. So maybe there's a lot of there's not really a lot of protection. Maybe like you mentioned, maybe he doesn't have that drive. There's a lot of things that aren't there. But it's like he had that crazy first half of 2019 and just kind of fell off and never recovered. But he's been like even if you look back at this long stretch of how bad he's been, even at even as bad as he's been, he still has a track record before this that was not was never this bad. So I still feel like you're getting at this point it's baked in. But I don't know. I think if I see a healthy Mancini. That Orioles team is always like, like I feel like the offense is a little underrated, and he would slot right into the middle of that lineup. And then you have Camden Yards as your home park, which is a launching pad. I might take Mancini, but again, I got to see him healthy first. And that's me being very optimistic on Mancini. I know, but I was a sucker for him last year before the before the injury, before the cancer. But yeah, you're right, cancers are big risks. So maybe I'm a little too optimistic there. So, uh, but another guy coming back from injury, and the final guy on our news here is Mitch Haniger. It's been like two years, I feel like, since we've seen him. I, I believe it was twenty part of twenty twenty uh, twenty nineteen. We saw him, and he, he was out with the uh, testicular like, contusion slash like other issues that he's had with it. Since testicles, that was what it was. Not good. Yeah, see, I was being kind when I said contusion. It was a, it was a rupture, which means rupture means like oh, exploded. We all <laughs> we all feel that one. Uh, oh, it hurts to talk about. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm. I'm almost. I wish you didn't remind me. Um, but yeah, he is now at full strength and beginning baseball activities. Mitch Haniger, Clegg, what are your thoughts, man? Do you do you think he's a solid value right now? I'll, I'll look up where he's going and who's around him. He's outfielder yeah. ninety. Well, okay. there you go. What, what's the overall ADP? Three thirty-two. Oh, that's I great mean, value. At that point, like, why not? Why not take the risk? I mean, it, there is no risk at that point, in my opinion. And he's shown that. He's more than capable of being a it's pretty good power speed combo guy. I mean, not a ton he's, of steals, but he's only twenty nine, I think, right? Yeah, he's still in his twenties. So, and if you look at it, you want to talk about just opportunity. Maybe the Mariners weren't running as much before, but now the Mariners are one of the like last year they were one of the top teams in terms of steals. I think top two or three, maybe number one. I'm gonna look it up real quick, but yeah, that's just an added opportunity. I could see him also getting traded. I mean, they're mm-hmm. they've got all these guys on the rise in the outfield. I mean. You saw Kyle Lewis come on the scene this year. Jared Kalinick's going to be up. Julio Rodriguez is going to be up. You, can, I mean, Taylor Tramiel. You can keep going on and on. So, is Hanager is he have a new home this year? Maybe. I'd welcome him in Atlanta. We don't know if it'll be midseason or if it'll be preseason. That's the right. issue with it. But regardless of where he goes, you got to think he starts and anywhere he goes, he should hit. You know, a solid point in the lineup. Maybe depending on how good of a team it is. But it's also a park upgrade more than likely as well. For sure. So that's something worth considering. But what are your early thoughts on Hanager, Mr. Mendy, sir? Yeah, I mean, Clegg took exactly what I was going to say, that I thought they're basically going to showcase him early on to try to trade him because they have so many outfield prospects coming up. And I hear whenever Jared Kalenic's name is said that an Eric Cross perks up somewhere. <laughs> so, <laughs> And a Mets but, fan, and another Mets fan dies, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it. Was it? It was. Uh, Steve Cohen came out and said something like, um, "Yeah, we're not going to be trading our high-end talent for right. players. We, we don't hold on to our guys. Direct shots fired. Yeah, right at his own closer. Come on, the guy already deals with confidence issues. Yeah, I don't think he meant to do it that way. I think he was taking a shot at the old, obviously the old uh, admin over there, but or whatever. But ah, uh, 
you got to think, as you know, Edwin Diaz has those issues with the confidence. And I, th- I there's been talks about him not being able to handle the bright lights. And then you're going to go ahead and say, hey, you weren't worth what we gave up. Whoa. Okay. That's going to do wonders for his confidence. <laughs> right. Can you imagine if he got traded to like Oakland? He'd probably be like a top Ooh. three closer again. Oh, I was thinking about Hanniger. I like Hanniger there too, actually. But yeah, I mean, if Edwin would go to Oakland, that'd be great too. I just don't know if Oakland would ever pay. The problem is, is I think you're, I think the Mets are stuck with him. But he did yeah. look great last year. That's the thing. He's like people. I mean, he's being drafted relatively well, and people are not really. People notice how well he pitched. So maybe he could be that bounce back this year. Finally, after taking some time to get right, and I think he had a rough start. Was I think at first like started to or first appearance or two were kind of rough last year in 2020. If I remember, if memory serves me correctly, and then he kind of turned it around and no one really noticed. It's really weird. No one really talked about it, I should say. All right. Speaking of uh, outlooks on players, 2021 outlooks. We're finally there, guys. Now that we've been talking for, you know, a solid 30 minutes. Um, and we have five names. And we'll start with George Springer. Now, you, like I said, you gave me the 162 game pace, Clegg. So George Springer's last 162 games played, or at least his last 162 game pace, a triple slash of 285. 378, 581 with 50 home runs, 127 runs, 121 RBI, and only six stolen bases. The stolen bases, I think, are a thing of the past at this point. We always hope for them, but they've never come. Maybe he goes to a team that lets them run, but if he doesn't go to the Astros, do we see these same counting stats as well in terms of runs and RBI? Yet to be determined. What are your early thoughts on him, Clegg? I was genuinely surprised when I when I started pulling these. And this is just going back and looking at these players last 162. So yeah. Springer's goes back into last May-ish, like somewhere in the middle of May. He kind of seemed underwhelming this year, which is why I was like, well, we, we knew he was good in 2019, but it didn't seem like he had a great year in 2020. But even if you combine the regular season and playoffs, he still hit 18 home runs and 282 plate appearances, had a 264 batting average, which is not George Springer's standards. Like he's normally – a bit higher, but he, he kind of fluctuates. Scored 45 runs, 42 RBIs. Um, I do – you brought up a good point. I think the counting stats definitely take a little dip down if he goes somewhere else because he was hitting at the top of the Astros lineup. I mean, what it also impressed me, 729 plate appearances over those 162. I mean, he compiled so many plate appearances because the lineup was that good. And so that's what enabled him to score 127 runs over that time. And – 50 home runs really stood out, though. Like I didn't realize he had been that good, and so that was a surprise to me. It will be interesting to see where he lands. Obviously, I wouldn't expect these kind of numbers because you're not going to project him to play 162 games, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's a 35-40 home run bat. What are your early thoughts over here, David Mendelson? Well, I look at his like StatCast page, and if I had sunglasses here, soon to be a sponsor of the of our podcast, but I'll just put my regular glasses on because it's very bright with all the red. Um, but, yeah, I mean, looking into him, good barrel percentage, elite XBA, ex-slug, ex-woba, good hard hit percentage. He had the um, K percentage was the lowest of his career this year. Ground ball percentage was the, also the lowest of per, his career. Highest line drive rate of his career. And a couple other things I saw that, his launch angle went up eight degrees. So I think that that's going to help contribute to more power. I mean, he's already been a big power bat, but when I see him upping the launch angle a little bit, it's not to an excessive amount. I think that that can mean that this, obviously that's why the line drive rate makes a lot more sense, but he also had 
a career high 74% zone swing percentage, which led to an 80% zone contact, which were both, again, the highest of his career. And he also had the highest first pitch swinging strike rate since 2016. So um, basically, I think he was being a lot more aggressive at the plate, which seemed to pay off for him. And I do think that this is going to carry over well wherever he goes next year. I think his approach is, is what it needs to be. He's going to hit the top of the order. They want him to hit for power. They want him to get on base. But he's, he's not the kind of guy that's going to necessarily walk all the time. But when I looked into kind of just the analytics for him, I think you can expect George Springer-like production next year, and it won't be kind of as subtle as it was in this 60-game season. And I'm glad you mentioned the 8-degree launch angle change, technically 7.9, because, you know, those glasses aren't reading right. No, I'm kidding. You, you stickler. But, <laughs> yeah, I just happened to look at the actual uh, number because my notes said 8 as well. But that's because he was one of the uh, batting stance change guys. So that was Ooh. why. Yeah, he was one of the ones. He was a little more upright. Hands were higher and as well as the bat. Like he so he kept it. It was like a, it was a very, very small tweaks. But with it came that change in launch angle. So the launching, so I like to think that that one causes the other type of thing. And what a lot of people might not realize is that it's, it's laughable, but first and second half stats for 2020, um, his first half, which was 22 games. He only had, he had those four home runs, 200 batting average, 340 OBP. So OBP was never really an issue, but only a 388 slug. The K rate was only 18%. And so he ended up being above league average with a WRC plus at 107. So, Again, that's where the lackluster, that's where this George Springer kind of like upset you. Like, oh, well, half the season, he was, what, four home runs, 200 batting average. That's terrible. Look at the second half, 28 games. He had 10 home runs, hit 312, 375, 651 OBP in slugging. And then um, the K percentage actually dropped down to 16.5%, which goes back to him having a career best mark in uh, Ks, I believe you mentioned. And then WRC Plus in that second half was also 178. So it jumped way up. So he was who we thought he was in the second half of 2020. But the problem was, is I feel like that 20, that first half was kind of so bad in terms of batting average and such and the, and the power production not really being there. It kind of took the, um, it kind of took the shine off of him. People don't realize how good he really was just in that second month of the season. So you take that and then you pair that with the playoffs where I believe he continued to mash. If I remember correctly. So I think it's a long way of saying, I agree with both of you guys. I think he is just who he is. And I don't think there's any reason to be really worried about him entering 2021, no matter where he goes. The only issue is if he goes to a completely new division and, or if he goes to the NL, there's a lot of pitchers he hasn't seen yet. And that's, that might take some adjusting because, you know, a player goes, he's been in that division for so long, faced the same teams for so long. He might not see the same pitchers, but he might know how teams have like teams philosophies. And you can make all the jokes you want about banging trash cans and such, but without it, he still flourished this year. So I don't think he's a bad hitter, but there is going to be an adjustment if he goes to a different place, I think, regardless. Although I can see the Astros just retaining him. I don't see why not. They don't really have much in the minors. I think they still want to compete. So if he stayed there, it wouldn't surprise me either. And that's George Springer, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's one way to transition to our next. You're not guy. the master of transitions for nothing. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's so bad. Like that was one of the worst I've probably done in a while. Lourdes <laughs> Gurriel Jr. is the next guy. 162 game pace. His last 162 game pace. Triple slash of a, of 285, 330, 525 with 35 home runs, nine stolen bases, 92 runs, and 94 RBI. So that seems a little underwhelming. But the Blue Jays are an up and coming team. They might get. Francisco Lindor, but in all seriousness, I was surprised when I saw this line. Mendy, what is your take on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. entering 2021? 
Yeah, so I'm glad we can talk about the other Guriel because I feel like his older brother gets all the attention and not enough on him. But let's, I'll start with the stolen bases at first. I'm a little skeptical of those because he had a 34 um, sprint speed. So I know he had three steals, but I don't see him as being a big stolen base threat going forward. But he did have the hard, uh, he had a career high hard hit percentage. His K's were the lowest of his career, walks were the highest of his career. The barrel percentage and sweep spot percentage were also the highest of his career. And a big thing I saw that is he actually got amazingly better versus the breaking ball. That his X BA against breaking balls went from 243 to 304 in 2020. And I'm not necessarily saying it's going to stabilize that way, but even if it kind of normalizes down to maybe like a 270, 280, that could be a big change. Also cut his whiff rate down 8% on fastballs and breaking balls. And again, anytime you're cutting your Ks down with a hitter like Guriel, that's going to be a really good change for him. And his ground ball rate went up a little bit, but his line drive rate went up 15%. So when I saw that, 15% live drive rate increase is a great, great increase for someone like him who's known as a power hitter. So again, I think he's one of those guys that might fall in between the cracks and is someone that you can get if he plays a full season healthy, good for 20 home runs. He's going to be a streaky player. You know he's not going to be someone that's going to be consistent game after game, but you'll get those three or four game stretches where he hits two home runs and then hits a homer the next day and then hits two the next day. It's like he's that type of player that I think you kind of know what he is, but I think he's not going to be a, an all-around player, but he's someone that's a good like you know fourth or fifth outfielder. He's very versatile, has position flexibility, and I think – um, I anticipate much of the same you saw this season from him, too. What about you, Clegg? Are you a Gurriel Jr. believer? Yes, I will be the Lourdes Gurriel Jr. guy this year. <laughs> I, the more and more I look into him, the more I just come away impressed. He he hasn't played a full season yet, which is interesting. But <laughs> 20, red, red flag. <laughs> right, that's a red flag. But 2021 is going to be the year he's going to bust out. At 30 home run guy in my book. I think those you mentioned the runs and RBIs being a little underwhelming. The Blue Jays lineup's getting better. I mean, we mentioned possibly, I mean, if they get Lindor, you know, there you go. But I think they're going to make some moves and continue to get better. I just love the profile. He's steadily gotten better each year. He's shown more plate discipline. He's lowered his strikeout rate, upped his walk rate. You mentioned the line drive rate going up, which is huge. His home run to fly ball rate has been high, but he's shown that consistently. So I'm not overly concerned about that regressing a ton. And so go ahead and count me in at the ADP. He's going to be, he's going to return some great value. Like I think easily 30 home runs, five stolen bases with a solid batting average, 270, 280 batting average. I'll take that all day at pick 100. Yeah. I was going to mention his ADP in a moment, but looking at him, it's funny because if you look at his 2018, that small sample he gave us kind of similar in, in terms of like his swing strike rates, his contact rates, Kind of again, kind of similar to 2020, where 2019 was kind of the growing pain year, where he dealt with some injuries, had to make some adjustments. I believe he came up and did well the second half after like an injury or something like that. And mm-hmm. then got, I remember again, this I did a deep dive on him back in 2019. And that's like, and at this point, that feels like forever long ago. But my point is, is I'm looking at 2020, you saw the swing strike rate come back down, but it's still higher than league average at 12.5%. His O swing has dipped two straight years in a row, but also above league average at 35.8%. So the strikeouts, even though they came down, if the contact if the contact does 
change and maybe he struggles a little bit again in it or something happens, you can see those strikeouts tick up a little bit. So that's my concern as far as the strikeouts go. And it does bring the batting average floor down a little bit. But you mentioned 280. So from 308 to 280, that feels fair. But he's also not getting to play. I mean, don't get me wrong. Toronto's not a bad home park. But if assuming that they, there's baseball back in Canada next year, the ballpark they had this year was like pretty much course field from my understanding so that's gonna be interesting as well to see how hitters and pitchers adapt to that in terms of the blue jays so i'm not really doubting him from that from from that point of view but just a few little things i'm kind of concerned about because again you go back to just his lack of track record in terms of just staying healthy this was the first year and he did i mean he played 57 games it's the first year quote unquote he played a full season but it wasn't really you know it's not truly a full season so i want to see him stay healthy for a long period of time but i think that i believe the talent's there and he showed it in spurts at other times as well. And you mentioned the streakiness before. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with him. In terms of ADP, he's going as the 24th outfielder off the board right now with a, a high pick of 82, a low pick of 106. So not a lot of variation there. ADP of 94.8. Would you rather have Lourdes Gurriel Jr. or Charlie Blackman? I'll start with you, Mendy. I'm going Blackman. If he's in Colorado, I mean, he's the, yeah, if, I guess. if he's in Colorado, then I'm all bored Blackman at that spot. Just personally. What about you, Clegg? Yeah. In the same spot, I'll take Blackman as well. The value's too hard to pass up being in Colorado. Now Blackman, now in fairness, Blackman is going like 13 picks ahead in ADP, but he is the next outfit. Like there's a big, that's, 13 picks between outfielders on average. That's where that's at. So let me pick up. How about Eddie Rosario or Dominic Smith? Would you take either Eddie Rosario or Dominic Smith over Lordy Scorial club? Not Dom <laughs> Smith, even though I like him a lot. Um, Rosario possibly like he's actually one that I'm diving into for the next article. Part two of this, the 162 game sample. Cause he's been quietly really good. And so again, I think I'd probably take, um, Rosario, he just is a safer track record. Like, you know what you're going to get, I think, out of him, as opposed to some variation with Gurriel. Would you say they're in the same tier, though, at least? Like, yeah. similar value, you'd value them relatively similar. It's really preference for you? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Are you in the similar thing? Would you take Rosario or Smith over him, Mendy, or or would you rather have Gurriel? And if, regardless, would you rank them relatively similarly? Yeah, I, I 100% have Rosario above him. I don't think I could put Dom Smith necessarily. But also with Rosario, he's in a very strong lineup as well. So I factor that in. But he's, like Clegg said, he's been consistent year after year. So you know what you're getting from him. You know, he's a 30 home run bat. And you've seen him do that full season year in, year out. Give you a couple steals here and there. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm being a Twins fan. I So I watch him play a lot. And, yeah, I definitely, I'd put Rosario, like, not crazy above him. But I would definitely put a little bit of space between them. I got you. The last name I'm going to drop because I have a hard time not taking him ahead, but I'm also very biased. I'm, I'm a guy that was like very big on Will Myers prior in 2019. He burned me 2020. I was out. He made some adjustments. He was another swing change guy, mechanic change guy. And he had his like second breakout. Will Myers is a guy that I really like, and I really want to take ahead of Gorgorio Jr. Should I, am I wrong to want to do that? Whoever wants to chime in. And usually I usually delegate, but I wasn't sure if anybody wants to chime in on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing with just Will Myers is I think he gives you a little bit more stolen base upside. And he also uh I, I love what the Padres are building there as well. But I, I think he's so he's such a volatile player. Um and he's such a frustrating guy too. So that's a good com- that's a good comparison. I'm I'm probably <laughs> I'd probably go Will Myers, but it, it I'm doing it with my eyes closed. 
I'm just afraid Myers will hit 240. You know, I don't see that in Gurriel's profile. He's, I think, the safer batting average floor. And I, I'm not sure how much Myers will actually steal. Like, he's, I think he's entering age 30 season, maybe. Um, it's not in front of me, so I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see how much he runs. I know we know Gurriel's probably like five to eight max, maybe. Myers is probably 10 to 12 stolen bases. Similar power, I think. I'd, I'd still take Gurriel. Between the playoffs and the regular season, he did only steal three bases. But the three or the last four years, he's had double digit steals every year, even while being injured, like uh, which is impressive. He, like, he, and people want to give him a hard time about being, being injury prone. Will Myers has played 155 games or more in three of the last four years, not including 2020, obviously. So in 2019, 155, 2017, 2016, 155, 157. The one year he played 83 hurt, he still stole you 13 bases. Just to give you an idea. And the one year he hit 240, we hit 242 those years. He gave you 18 and 16 and 30 and 20. So honestly, I could take the batting average hit for those counting stats. And that's where I'm at because I know the power is there. I know there's probably a safer floor, but it's like if these changes stick, which I think they will for the most part. So I'm a little more I'm a little more optimistic than most, I guess, with him. Yeah. I'm willing to I'm willing to give him a pass. I think I'm gonna take Will Myers ahead of him, and that's not comfortable for me to say. But you know who I won't take over either of them and is going like 30 picks ahead of both of them is Keston Hira. God am I out on him. That's a <laughs> that's a whole other discussion though, because I can that's a that's a long tangent, my friend. I talked about it on CBS, cheap plug. Um <laughs> but uh moving on from Guriel, we have Trey Turner on this list. Trey Turner's 162 game pace is 314. 372, 538 triple slash with 29 home runs, 39 stolen bases, 132 runs, and 91 RBI. And mind you, he played this whole pretty much 60 games almost of a season without really a strong lineup around him. So, and the counting stats were still there. Tell me why he's not a top three pick is what more or less what I'm asking here. I don't think any of us are doubting his skill set. I'm going to change it instead of what your outlook is. Are you as optimistic as I honestly say? No, no matter the format, unless it's except for points, any roto league, he's a top five pick. Do either of you disagree? And if so, I want to hear why. No crickets. Top, oh, oh, do I have top, one there? Top five. Top five, and I'll tell you, I will take him over Trout. I will take him over Soto. I will take him over. Oh, I'm like really aggressive on him. I gotta find okay. my ranks now. That's, that's yeah, where Bubba, we might Bubba took him second in the two early mock, and that I'm was the not... 15 teamer though. How can you can't get mad at that? 15 teamer. No. It's and this is the thing about knowing your format because I can understand that a 10 teamer, maybe that's a little aggressive because replacement level. Yeah, that and speed isn't as much of a necessity. Speed isn't such a sought after commodity because it's easier to find and piece together off waiver wire, off of throughout the draft. So maybe I was a little aggressive to say 10 teamers, but 12s and 15s, I don't see why he's not a top five pick because he gives you every category plus the speed, whereas it's hard to find a higher floor with the, with those stolen bases you can argue acuna's floor isn't even that high i think it is but it's not as safe when you look at the profiles for sure like acuna is way more volatile we just kind of take it at face value but i would still take acuna over him but that's pretty much the only guy i feel like i would take as a slam dunk pick over trey turner right now so when i saw him go second like you said bubba took him i had zero issues with that especially in a 15 teamer but who are some names that you think that you want ahead of them right now? And I, I guess, you know, you can. there are asterisks. There are little – well, it depends on your format. That's a cheap answer, but I give that answer a lot on this podcast because I really do try to cater to every format, and every format is different. So the right. shallower the league, I can understand getting away from top five. But a blanket statement is he's pretty much a top five pick for me in any categories of Roto format. I think now, I, who are – sorry, I, go ahead. I would say I think 
I've won Soto as the number one player this year. So and I, and Cheesecake does. Is we both on our pod think he's going to be the number one player. He would have probably been the MVP if he played a full season this year, I think. Uh, and, I mean, it, you're talking about playing in a bad lineup like Turner did. He played in that lineup, too. And he Those put up two, though. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, I mean, Turner's definitely, I mean, not far out of the top five for me. But I think, at the top of my head, I know Mookie, obviously. Acuna. I have Juan Soto, number one. Um, I'm trying to think of the other names. I'm, I don't have Trout in there. Um, Which is crazy. Did you ever think you'd say those words? No, it's, it's weird. <laughs> and he's only 29. Like, we act like he's 45. <laughs> I, I think I have Trout in the top, like, six or seven. Like, he's not far off for me. That's kind of where I'm at, too. He's in my top five or six. We can talk about that in a second as well, but keep going. Um, I'm trying to think. think of the other top names of people I'm Tatis, forgetting. Story. Uh, yep, Tatis, and I have in the top five as well. And um, I'll just... And um, I think there you was kind of, I think you mentioned other names already. I got I, I got to find my list. I don't even know where my list is at. Uh, this wasn't really this wasn't this was off the cuff. Obviously, I asked <laughs> you without really prepping it because I was like, you know what? We know he's a first round pick. No one's debating that. I want to see how high I could push you on this like list. Essentially, I think you can make an argument for three. I yeah, because I forgot I forgot to mention Mookie. I think Mookie should be yeah, out. Mookie and Acuna. See, for me, I think that I love Soto. I think that Turner's going to produce. Equal batting average or better than Soto. It'll be close, I think. It could go either way. They're going to produce similar outputs and counting stats. Obviously, Soto's got them in power, but the stolen bases are just... I mean, Soto's going to steal 10 to 15. Turner's going to steal 30 to 40 over a full year. And that's where I think the value for me, I'd put him over Soto. But I'm still debating. I don't... On my current hitter ranking list, Turner is not number three. But I've been toying with that idea because I think that the steals are that valuable and the batting average as well. I mean, like he's consistently gotten better each year. And I think the, the numbers, the underlying stats back up the, the high batting average. I don't expect him to hit 335 again, but I think 310 is reasonable for sure. Now going back to trout, because I feel like this is a question. I just have to have every analyst that comes on here answer. Cause I have a hard time even buying it that I'm saying this too, but why is trout not in your top five? And you're not wrong for this because it's a very common discussion right now. But like the general consensus, like in terms of like consumer and in terms of like average fan, listener, whatever you want to call everybody, tells calls me calls us all crazy. So where what is your mindset behind that one, Mandy? Actually, looking back at the the ADP, I do have Trout actually five, and then Turner six is how okay. I ranked it. So I, I have Trout just on the outside of the top five. I mean, Trout still has all the tools there. Like his sprint speed is still uh, really high up there. I think obviously he wouldn't run last year. But also being I live in, in the Washington, Baltimore area and like Turner, Turner's really good. But every single year, there's a certain point you can't weigh injury. I, I know people that say like you can't look into that. You don't know what's going to happen. But Turner gets hurt every single year and they're long stints like a broken wrist. Or, you know, some, you know, this, that, or like he broke a finger, I think on a bunt this year or last year, whatever it was. Um, There's always something with him and it's just the way he plays and he's very aggressive. He's always on the base pads. Um, And that, that worries me a little bit for how high I would be taking him. And he's not guaranteed for the power. I know his stolen base upside is incredible, but I look at health. I look at. Hey, can they still give me a you know a ten to fifteen stolen base floor? Which I think Trout can give you ten to fifteen stolen bases. I think that's acceptable to expect from him. I don't think he's going to give you thirty, but um, that, that's this that comes down to me is like I'm getting a lot more just certainty just with them being in the lineup, and that I think they're going to be uh, 
I think just a little bit more in the power department, but I don't also have to suffer quite as much in the stolen base department. If that makes sense. No, yeah. I understand. I understand. And trout for me, my thing about trout is I've actually been arguing for trout being a double digit still guy. That's why the shallower the format, I actually, so I have to, I actually have to, I still would have Trey Turner in my top five, but I would put trout ahead of him in twelves and fifteens is where Turner gets the bump over trout because I could bank on the speed more and it's harder to come by than even than trout's power. And although the floor is there, because my thing with Trout is people were like, well, he didn't run this year. He didn't have to, the team was terrible. He smashed home runs. And mm-hmm. besides this year, if you look every year going back to 2012, so from 2012 to 2019, he's had at least 11 stolen bases, at least. And the sprint speed's still there. There's no reason why the skill set wouldn't be there. He's only, I think he's turning. No, he just turned 29, so he'll play 20. He'll play next year at 29, probably turn 30 towards the end of the year. And yeah, I just, I so I'm with you on stolen bases. I'm still buying in. My thing about Trout is you mentioned health, and you know, he like most people don't really realize this. He hasn't played more than 140 games since 2016. Right. He's been 114, 140, 134. His have been a little fluky. I know I think there was a foot in there somewhere. Like I know he hurt his hand sliding, so now he wears the oven mitt. So his um his thing is like they have been kind of fluky, but as you know, you play at such a high level for a long time, those injuries become less fluky and more likely because your body's gonna start breaking down on you a little bit. So, so there's just something to be mindful of that the health might not be as certain as we think, although I am still buying into that safety as well. Because even injured, like even with those, like even though he hasn't played more than 140 games, you look at those three seasons, 45 home runs, 39, 33 home runs, 11 stone bases, 24, 22. And this is in 140 and less games. So even without the ceiling in terms of games played, the floor in production has been there. Yeah. And then like, again, I'll get my glasses on. I see this. that. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm looking at Turner's games as well. And I'll take out this season, obviously, but he played 27, 73, 98, played 162 in 2018, and then 122 in 2019. So he's he getting one, better. <laughs> <laughs> so he did have that one season he played in all in every game. But besides that, he hasn't played in more than 122 games. So that's that's again that same type of like trout. That's a, that was a good point. I just. I feel like Turner is just like Trout's more of like a, Hey, I'm just going to chill. Like you said, and just hit some bombs. I'm going to steal a couple bags here. And Turner's more like, I'm going to hit a double and try to leg out a triple and I'm going to slide and have a chance to hurt my finger or, or you know, pull a hammer. I, I just feel like there's that vol, There's that, like uh, just that factor in there with, with Turner. Um, and since he'd be going so high, I just weigh that a little bit more in that sense. Yeah. Totally understand it. And now Clegg, I'll let you get your thoughts in here on yeah. this. Now that okay. we talked. Trout, I think there's a fair argument to say he he'll steal 15 bags if if the Angels are contending if you know if they're in a spot where he needs to like you mentioned I think he's more than capable of that. Now Trout's last 162 has been ridiculously good. That's not fair. <laughs> That's 56, not fair. 56 home runs, 134 runs, 134 RBI, nine stolen Gosh. bases, 288 batting average. We forget. Oh how good he has been. And that's in a bad lineup, scoring 134 yes. runs and driving in 134. That's stupid good. So I did I, – I took every hitter's 162-game sample and used standard uh, points gained. And Trout's the third-best hitter over the last 162. Turner's second. Acuna's first. <laughs> Acuna's by far – like Which is crazy because he's so 40, he's, he, he's like super volatile. I think without being volatile, it's really weird. Is. It's really weird because like, we saw how bad he was. I think to end 2019 and then part of 2020, he was kind of rough too to start. 
Right. His last 162, 47 home runs, 150 runs, 107 RBIs, 43 stolen bases. That's where he gets it. 272 batting average. The okay. average hurts, but the stolen bases, well, I mean. 272 hurts. Goodness. Right. <laughs> right. That's so impressive, man. 150 runs scored. That's crazy. The trout hate is too much. And you see, I don't know if, if I can find, there's a thread that. It's I was in that it, thread. It's a lot of the NFBC guys because they play in high stakes mm-hmm. and they thought it's so bases are so valuable. That's why I preface 15 teamers are very different because the commodities and needs and all that place. So, uh, team building plays such a bigger factor in the deeper the format. So the deeper your format, I, I value the stolen bases. That's why 12s and 10s trout's ahead of them. But trout falls that fringe top five for me when it comes to those deeper leagues, because I think although the, I still I buy into the steals, that's why I keep them around that fifth spot. I also value those more, so that's why he gets bumped. Whereas you talk to a lot of really smart guys who play for a lot of money, a lot more than I play for, and I play for – I usually drop a, at least a grand in baseball every year. <laughs> these guys play for leagues that cost a grand. <laughs> more, actually. A lot of these guys play in main events, which are 1700 and there's other leagues. Anyway, and my point is I'm not saying money matters in terms of the player, but people willing to put their money where their mouth is is what I'm getting at. And some of these guys are really smart players too. Yeah. So I value their opinions, but it's like you're basing it off of one lost season for the Angels <laughs> that Charles not going to steal 10, ba- 10 bags. Right. If Dave if Dave gets a chance to listen to this, the, um, not, you, not you, obviously. I know, run, run DMC. Yeah. Run DMC. He's a smart dude, but man, he does not quit on his viewpoints. And I love it. For, I love him for it, but he'll blow up your feed until he makes his oh, point. I know. And then he'll do it again. And then he'll just keep doing it. Oh, he'll I keep know. repeating his points. And it's like, I'm trying to tell you my reasoning. And you just, I get I get it. You don't agree. So eventually, I honestly just mute the thread and let him keep talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. I, I 100%. Smart and idea. I tell him that all the time. I'm like, dude, I, he doesn't take it personal. He knows. I, I couldn't imagine having him on this podcast. We, would get, we wouldn't have made it through the news notes. We'd still be talking about Trey Mancini right now. All right, but <laughs> one more thing. Do you think Trout is the safest performance floor of any player? Would yes. you say arguably the safest floor to perform? He, he's what we thought Nolan Arenado should have been last year, but yeah, he's pretty much like he he should like he was what he always was was Nolan Arenado with stolen bases. I still see him that way, but even without stolen bases, he now falls. Say he lost, stop stealing altogether, he would now fall to Nolan Arenado. So you know you're getting Nolan Arenado with probably a higher power ceiling. Actually, how many home runs would he hit in cores though? I mean, well, Arenado is like forty a year, and we're looking at. Trout's hit 56 over his last 162 games. Like, well, how many would he hit in cores? That's crazy. I know. That's nuts. Well, that's a, it goes back to imagine Bonds in cores. Imagine Bonds in Yankee Stadium, you know? like Because of the short porch, that would have been fantastic. So it's like you just imagine these great players playing in these favorable hitter ballparks. What's going to save Arenado in terms of probably Hall of Fame one day is how good his defense was. Like, it wasn't just course carrying his value in terms of being a player. He's won so, a gold glove every year, hadn't he? Every year. He's yeah, I think out. so. Like eight straight years or something like That's that. Nuts. He has like a platinum, like eight or four platinums or eight platinums. I don't know how that works, honestly, but I know he has them. I saw the tweet the other day. <laughs> Speaking of platinum performances, Teoscar Hernandez last year in 2020 was fantastic. But over his one, last 162, it's very intriguing. The batting average is only 252 because in 2019, the batting average was not great. And the OBP is also a little lower than I'd expect because he has made some really big strides. But it was at, like I said, his last 162 was 252 batting average, 317 OBP, but a 521 slug. People don't realize he's been crushing it for a while now. 42 home runs. He steals bases with 11 over the last 162. The runs in RBI are a little lackluster, but he just moved up to the middle of the lineup towards the end of this year. So I expect those to improve with 92 and 94 respectively over the last 162. I love. Oh, sorry, 94 and 84. I look. I read the wrong, wrong, the wrong uh, Blue Jay there. 
all things considered, I really like Teoscar Hernandez. Who, which one do you like him more? Raise a hand. Because <laughs> I, I, I can't I see. Him. You love him? Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll let you go first because I know Clegg has a little skepticism. I believe, I believe. I could be wrong. I could be teasing this for nothing. Go ahead, Mendy. Take it away. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the 11 stolen bases. He actually has an 85 sprint speed, so he's actually a lot faster than people think. I'll shout out Matt Williams for this because he put out a thread about him today, and he extra uh, pollated his 500 at-bats for this year, um, and he had 289, 42 homers, and 16 steals or 500 at-bats. So I not necessarily finished that way, but you could expect something maybe close in that ballpark. He does have that 40 home run power. But, um, you know, line rate went up, line drive rate went up 10% this year. Still struggles with the breaking ball, but, uh, you know, great against the other two pitches. You already know with Teoscar Hernandez, his K percentage isn't going to be great, but he did drop his K rate 3% from last year. But, I mean, everything else, he's just elite or very good. And just, you know, the XBAs, X-slugs, X-wobas, hard hit percentages, all that type of stuff. He's great across the board. His swing and strike rate isn't very good, 15.7%. His contact rate is 66.2%. And his O swing is 34.3%. So, yeah, he has to – anything that has to do with striking out um, and chasing, he's not going to be great at. But, man, I mean, I love Teoscar Hernandez – and it may be a little biased too, because he's he's won me some money in DFS a few times. So, but I, I mean, I, I I love his profile. I, I know I feel like the risks are pretty evident, um, but that power is there, and I mean the stolen bases from him too. So I, I'm all in on him. Clegg, do you want to put some what you want to dampen the mood a little bit? Put some water <laughs> no, on the fire? No, I don't because I oh. I think he's legit. I I really do. Oh, because, why did I think you thought differently? I must well, have. I'll, I'll, I've got two sides. Let me. I'll do the positives first, and then. Oh, you get... want to end on a sad note? Okay. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you mentioned the extrapolated data from this year. It's exactly what he's done over his last one sixty-two. So it's very similar there. And the power we know is legit. Like his hard hit rate is steadily on the rise, like consistently going up. The average exit velocity trending upwards consistently. His average exit velocity on fly balls going up. This year, everything looks similar, like contact-wise. Like, O-swing jumped a little bit. Contact numbers were very similar, but he hit the ball on the ground a lot less. Upped his line drive rate considerably, which helped him a ton. Like, that was a big step for him, the more line drives. The interesting thing will be, like, again, with, with Guriel, is how much did the home ballpark play in? So, that's a factor for me. Let me have to pull up his splits right now. Um. He actually had pretty even splits, like similar. He had eight eight more plate appearances on the road, but equal number of home runs. Eight home runs, home, eight home runs away. He actually hit 300 on the road, 278 on, at home. So that kind of lessens some concerns I have there, which, I mean, could be a factor. He's legit. There's no question in my mind he's got 35 home run pop. The average is probably going to tank down a little bit. Like I'd expect like a 260 average. Here's my negative, where his draft price is. You can get George Springer at the pretty much the same price. So when it comes down to it, am I going to pick Teoscar Hernandez or George Springer? And I'm going to pick Springer every time. And I think they were within like five spots in the two early mocks. That could change. Like I actually expect as the hype on Hernandez fades a little bit throughout the offseason. Like he was so hyped up. I think he'll probably drop into the 70s and 80 range, which that's a great buy in my opinion. If we can get him there, that'd be great too. Because I'm looking at who's around him, and 
Springer, I wouldn't take in a vacuum, but it comes down to roster construction. If I need stolen bases, I'm going Hernandez. I think Springer is by far the safer floor. Uh, he should be able to give you, he'll chip in some steals, but not be what Hernandez is. You, you, may, you know, we, we mentioned 11 over his last 162. Hernandez actually stole six this year alone in just 50 games, whereas he stole six total in 125 games last year. And that strikeout rate, I'm sorry, but 30% strikeout rate, that's not, I don't care. I don't care about your bat. Like, nothing's going to, there's no way. I don't care if your XBA, his XBA is 295, his batting average is 289. With a 30% strikeout rate, I'm with you, Clegg, on the 260 batting average, more than likely. Yes, the there are things that will help him sustain a higher BABIP if these changes uh, sustain. The line drive rate being up near uh, like eight, nine, uh, roughly 9%, 8%. I can't do math. I'm like you now, Mendy. Um, 8% <laughs> on the line drive rate. His line drive rate went up, infill five balls went down. And he actually stopped being so pull heavy. He was willing to go a little more to center. So maybe just putting the ball a little more around the field, hit more line drives. The Babbitt will play plus the, the the plus speed will help him beat out ground balls and softly hit balls and all that. So there is some stuff that will help him sustain the Babbitt. What concerns me is that, again, that strikeout rate and the, and the O swing, it actually increased to a career worst 34.3%. And he did so without making more O contact. So he was swinging more outside the zone and missing and making less contact outside the zone which actually increased his swing strike rate this year from last year. That's just showing me that he has, he's willing to chase. Maybe pitchers pick up on that, and maybe he doesn't get the pitches he got this year. Maybe he starts struggling a little bit with the batting average, and that goes into the strikeout rate because being 30%, that's part of why I'm really anti Keston Hira. He's never had a strikeout percent under 30% since he's been a big leaguer. And if you, and if you look at Teoscar, 30.4% is the best mark he's had since 2016 with a 41-game sample size where he put up a 25% strikeout rate. In terms of his pro, um, his, his pro track record goes. So, with that said, yeah, my concern is strictly batting average. But give me two fifty, and the, we know the tools are there—the speed, the power. No one should doubt those things. So, if you build to take a hit, say you build for a two fifty batting average, because there's a chance that's what he gives you. He's a great player to take in that in that middle, you know, that top that fifth or sixth round where he's going. It's just a matter of if you expect if you're expecting more than that 250, 260 batting average, you could be disappointed, and you shouldn't be because that's kind of the potential there with the with that with that swing and miss in his game. But he was a swing change guy as well, for what it's worth. So that would that could explain the change in launch angle and the other changes we see as well in the mechanics. The change in mechanics and change in swing probably play into a little bit of how he, why is he more line drives and all that as well. So again, there's tangible change there to back up some of the production which makes him very intriguing. But I want to see, would you guys rather have, you mentioned Springer, how about Austin Meadows, Clegg? No. I'm afraid he's going to platoon, honestly. The Rays were being cute in the playoffs. I think they let him play through it in the regular season had it been a regular season. Personally, that's my opinion. But I could be wrong. Um, I hope I would take Hernandez. I would take Hernandez still as well. But I do think it's closer than most people will probably give it. What, What do you think, Mendy? Where are you at, Meadows or Hernandez? Give me Oscar the Grouch. Oscar the Grouch. I like it. How about Oscar the Grouch or Keston Hira while we're talking? Uh, I, I mean, I I wrote up Keston Hira uh, on a Fandrax piece for my plug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not. Keston Hira is too rich at that price for me. I'm, I'm still going Oscar the Grouch. Okay. Okay. What about you, Clegg? Are you anti-hero with us? Or are you? Yeah. The okay. the contact rates are and the whiff rates are Mondesi esque, which scares the crap out of me. Mondesi outperform was it? Him? I remember the tweet I put was I think it was oh it might have been actually a anti or came off as an anti Rob Robert 
tweet because I remember Montesi. Yeah, but him, Montesi, and Robert are in the same sentence, which scares the crap out of me for Robert and Hero. Yep. That's again, that's a conversation for another day. It's a matter of if you buy the tools or not. Um, what about Conforto, who's quietly really good, like probably better. He, he belongs like he's pretty much a George Springer without the injury. Oh, actually, I lied. He does have the injury history. I just feel like it's been a little longer. I don't know. I like Conforto a lot. I, I think I would take Conforto ahead of him. Team dependent though, because Conforto's not going to steal bases. Right, That's- I'll take Conforto as well. Mendy, uh, I'm I'm still on Tiasker. I, I I get it. I do get yeah. it. I I just I, this is okay. This is my tangent about tier based tier based rankings. Every every chance I get, I do tier based rankings by position because I personally will have Hernandez, Springer, Meadows, and Conforto. And I'm, I'm actually excluding Hira because I'm really down on Hira. But I'm, I would have those four in a tier because I honestly value them so similarly that it comes down to preference and team construction to, at that point. So you would take which one fits your team best. Whereas, I, and when you ask me who do I like more, it's just your preference because, like, like, that's why I'm looking at ADP and those guys are all grouped together. I, I It's just a preference. Okay, fine. Let me take a guy ahead of him. Uh, Aaron Judge. What about that, Mandy? Why I have you? Am I? Is he have like a fully healthy spring training? I'm That's gonna like, guess. Yeah. I mean, he was healthy in the playoffs. He's going on average, uh, four, five, six, uh, seven picks ahead of uh, Teoscar. Yeah, I mean, if, if I know he's healthy, I'm taking Aaron Judge. But like, if there's any type of thing, uh, Doc on our podcast always says Yankees are made of glass, especially John Carlos Stan. But like, if there's if there he's a pulls a hammy in spring training or something, I'm I'm really scared. Oh, I'm with you. Oblique or something stupid. Yeah. I'm scared regardless, honestly. (laughs) Well, yeah, because he's so big, he just hurts himself. Right. He's almost a shoe-in to get injured, which sucks because if if he plays a full season, like he's going to return second-round value. He's Mm -hmm. that good. But I don't know. I think I've got to take T. Oscar just because I feel like it's safer. I don't know how many games I'm going to get from Judge. So I'll take T. Oscar there. All right, and we're going to transition to our final guy. We'll try to make this one a little quicker so we can get on out of here. I, you told me this was going to happen, Clive. I should have listened to you. Um, 162-game pace for Starling Marte. 299 batting average, 354 OBP, 495 slug with 25 home runs, 29 stolen bases, 112 runs, and 92 RBI. Clegg, what are your thoughts on Marte going into this year? His ADP is, since I have in front of me, 40, 42.6, so he's going 42nd overall. He was like a late second, early third round pick last year. You're getting a little bit of a discount for no real reason. I really like his price and I like the skill set. And he's in Miami, so you know he's gonna be leading off or hitting top two. Um, am I crazy for liking him? I should let you talk. How about you? You know what? You can talk now. Go ahead. Explain yeah. your love on Marte. He's incredibly undervalued. People he went as high as like twelve last year in like a main event draft. Like people were all in on him, and he's the same player. Yes. He's going to be 32, I believe. I was say a year older. Yeah, right. he is 32 now. Yes, he just turned 32. His sprint speed hasn't declined a hair, but I don't think 2021 is the year he stops stealing. I think it's more like I think you start seeing a decline after 21. He's going to give you an elite batting average. You're going to get the stolen bases. He should score a ton of runs at the top of that lineup, which I think will be much improved next year. I don't see any reason why he's not a top 25 pick, honestly. Like, I'm going to buy the value all day because I, in my, when I did my rankings, he's in the top 25 pretty easily because of the value returns. The stolen bases are so valuable. You get a high batting average floor. You don't get the power of Trey Turner 
and you're not going to get the counting stats of Turner, but they're very similar, honestly, I think, just without power. I love it. I think it's a great value. He's this is the perfect example of if you start your draft with Trout and you need speed in the second late say if you want to reach for him and I say reach because it's considered a reach per ADP but I bet you come drafts and you know I think he's doing like a little minor hand injury I think he fractured his pinky in the playoffs if I remember correctly but that should be fine come draft season people are gonna be like oh yeah Marte stolen bases second he'll be in the second round again probably late or early third so if you are a Trout guy and you want to back up your speed this is a perfect Trout pairing. Because he doesn't give you the power trial gives you, but he gives you more stolen bases. And then now you have your five categories filled through three three rounds. And that's why roster construction is so important. So if you told me I can get Trout, Starling Marte my, with two of my first three picks, I'm in on that all day. But Mendy, let me let you talk about Marte now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I he's a 2020 guy, like easy. Um, you know, just a couple. I mean, if you look at all his, his profile, most of it's very consistent. You know, it was obviously a little bit down last year. The only biggest thing was his launch angle was the second lowest of his career. But, um, you know, that might be that's why he only had six home runs. But, I mean, his exit velo is similar, not too far, you know, within a one or two percent. Um, barrels were down a little bit. But you look across the board, he still doesn't walk a lot. I mean, he's still a four to five percent walk guy every year. Strikeouts, you know, he's, he's striking out at a pretty good decent clip as far as in a good way like you know 16 percent is is i'll take that any day hard hit percentage was down but again it's just i feel like the power was down a little bit but you look across the board you know his xba 261 that's respectable his x slug 412 is you know not great but it's whatever i, I i'm not scared off by him and the fact that he went down in value i think he's gonna he's what like clegg was saying like you were saying curlin i think you know at 45 or if he slips even more than that, I think that's a, a good value for him that he's going to produce better than you're getting him in the draft. And I've actually forgot to mention a big thing I look at first first stolen bases isn't necessarily um, sprint speed because you have a guy like Juan Soto who steals double digit double digit steals every year with like a 33 percentile sprint speed, which is like terrible. And so I look at um, success rate a lot. And going back to Teoscar, he improved his success rate, although a small sample, from 66% to 85, I believe it was last year. And Marte is just a guy that always is pretty efficient on the base paths. So that will help the green lights continue. And Hira is not. So that's a guy going back to Hira. It's the reason why he had one year where he was kind of efficient. I think it was over 70%, but otherwise he's like a 60% or less type of guy. So it's like, I wonder how long the green lights go, including this year was bad. So so that's why I look at like beyond stone bases are skill as well. You have to know when to choose, when to take your bags. when You're not the fastest. That's why someone like Soto, although it doesn't show his peripherals as far as him being a fast guy, he'll still steal bases. Marte this year was 10, 10 for 12. Um, quick math was like 80 something percent, whatever it is. I don't know. I'm bad at math. I'm really bad at math, but I'm good at saying I'm good at knowing splits because I look those up and he went to Miami and just stole five bases as well. So he stole five bases before he got there, stole five bases after my takeaway from that is that the Marlins are going to let him run because they let him run this year. That There's no reason why they won't let him run next year. And that's all I wanted to see was if he was, he still running when he was no longer with the uh, diamondbacks and he was. So yeah, that was my only concern and I'm good. I'm happy now. Um, that's pretty much going to do it. Um, anybody have any final thoughts? You know what? On our way out, Clegg plug some of your stuff, man. I'll let Mendy finish up, finish, finish us off strong and we'll head out of here. All right, cool. Well, again, you can, uh, Find my work on Twitter, Roto Clegg, C-L-E-G-G. -G. All my written works over at Fantrax HQ, doing two-player deep dives a week and then working on some random stuff. Kind of split in there, which has been 
working on the 162 game samples, which has been kind of a fun exercise, just something I stumbled upon. So doing part two of hitters, it'll be out next week, then work on some pitchers that over 32 last 32 start samples. Again, this is not an end-all, be-all thing. It's just another tool you can use to look to evaluate players. Don't want anybody to, to hear what we were saying or read my work and say, well, you know, that's Springer's going to hit 50 home runs. Like That would be just awesome, a, though. Yeah, <laughs> just a great exercise to another tool to look at with evaluating players. So uh, just take it with a grain of salt, use it in your evaluation as best you can. And then you can uh, also find podcasts over Fantrax Prospect Toolshed if you want to listen Learn some more about prospects. You can catch me and Eric Cross over there talking about prospects. Again, thanks, Mike. Always a good time on here on the Bases Loaded Pod. Well, yes, why I brought you, made you part of the team, man. But, uh, of course, our guest of the hour or so at this point. Thank you for sticking with us, Mendy. Um, Again, plug your where they can find you on Twitter, what work you have going on, and your podcast and all that good stuff as well. Yeah, I always hate going after Clay because he speaks so like eloquently, and I I'm not good at this stuff. So and he has yeah, that I mean, southern twang and that yeah. whole like that smooth criminal feel. I get it. Yeah, but I'll do my best. I, you know, I I'm at a, on Twitter at dmendio too. We do a triple play fantasy podcast. Um, you can find that at triple play fantasy. It's actually a fan tracks pod. It's in the process of getting transferred over. Should hopefully be on there soon. We do three shows. We do a football show, baseball show, and a basketball show. I am not on the basketball show. I do guest on it every once in a while. I will guest on it, but uh, one of our other guys hosts that. And uh, yeah, we just we do a lot of fun content there. And um, we do, you know, player interviews. We do just fantasy talk, games. I like to have a good time, kind of like on this uh, Bases Loaded pod. So if you're interested in anything, check it out. And if you have any questions about anything fantasy-related, I'm always happy to answer them. Mendy's a great guy. I made sure to get him on. This was a last-minute appearance, and he came correct. Thank you for joining me on the show. And, of course, you can follow me on Twitter, for those who are interested, at Mike underscore Curland. Please rate and review the show on your way out. Five stars is greatly appreciated. It helps with being seen on iTunes and all that good stuff. Anything other than five stars, you can keep it. No, I'm kidding. I'll take anything. But if you leave anything less than five stars, please leave us a review and tell us what we can improve on because we are always looking to improve this show and be better for you guys. So as always, we appreciate everyone listening. And until next time, we will talk to you soon.